Okay. Well, the title of today's message uh, is a question, and it's a question that I think too few people consider, uh, but it's one that all of us should consider, and here's the question, what's worth more than eternal life? What's worth more than eternal life? Here's the truth. Once we are born into this world, the Bible teaches that at the end of our lives, we are either going to experience eternal life through Jesus Christ, or we're going to experience the judgment of God that separates us from him forever, which means we miss out on the eternal life that God wants us to have. Here's what we find in John chapter 5, verses 26 through 29. It should display on the screen behind me. These are the words of Jesus himself. And here's what he said. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. That last sentence in the New Living Translation reads this way, those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Here's an important truth that we take from these verses. Everybody rises again. The dead don't stay dead. That there's coming a day when every one of us here, if we have physically died before the return of Christ, everyone in the entire world that, that has died will rise again. Some will be resurrected to experience eternal life. And some will be resurrected to experience judgment. And here's an interesting point for us to think about uh, from this passage that could cause a little bit of discomfort for some of us. Jesus says it is those who have done good that will rise to experience eternal life. And it is those who have continued in evil who will rise to experience judgment. The same Jesus who earlier in the Gospel of John is recorded very famously in John 3.16 of saying, whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. And this same Jesus who just a few verses before the ones that I read in verse 24 reiterated that it's whoever believes in me that will have life. Here he says, those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. What's going on here? Is Jesus teaching salvation by works? Is Jesus teaching that we can earn our way to eternal life, that we can gain eternal life through our own merit? No, he's not doing that, but I would suggest that he is teaching something that is at odds with what many Christians believe. Many Christians believe that once they pray the sinner's prayer, from that point on, they can live like the devil, and they're good with God. Jesus never taught salvation by works. He came precisely because we could not save ourselves by our own merit, but his teachings do make it very clear that obedience and good works are the fruit of salvation. They are the fruit of true conversion. 
Jesus' brother James in uh, the book of the Bible that bears his name clearly articulated the relationship between faith and works. And many of you here today are familiar with his writings on that. Here's the truth that too many Christians want to avoid. When we receive Christ as Savior, we also receive him as Lord. It is a package deal. Jesus taught it. James taught it. The Apostle Paul taught it. We don't earn eternal life. We can't. We're incapable of full and perfect obedience because we're human, we're weak. But obedience and good works are the fruit of salvation. And so this is why Jesus can both teach that we receive eternal life by believing in him and then here in John 5 teach that it is those who have done good that will be raised to eternal life. It is because of this relationship between salvation and obedience and good works that we find many places in the New Testament that appeal to us to not just believe the right things, but to live the right way, to live in obedience to God. Obedience, again, uh, not only being the fruit of conversion, but obedience is also the evidence of true conversion. The Bible appeals for us to live, in our, uh, to live our lives in a way that is mindful of eternity, a, a way that keeps eternity in the forefront of our thinking, not just to believe the right things in light of eternity, but to actually live, to actually conduct ourselves in a way that is mindful of eternity. Galatians 6.8 is one of those Uh, places where we are encouraged in this direction. Here's what we find in Galatians 6, 8. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. When we sow to our sinful nature, a couple of things happen. First of all, we experience loss in our lives in the here and now. Sin is the surest way to reap destruction in life here and now. And then secondly, when we sow to our sinful nature, in the age to come, in eternity, we lose the rewards that come to those who are faithful. When we sow to the Spirit, a couple of things happen. We experience the life of God's eternal kingdom now, And in the age to come, in eternity, in our heavenly home, we receive the rewards that accompany faithfulness. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about what those rewards will be, but it does teach quite clearly that faithfulness will result in eternal rewards. And so for the truly converted... Increased obedience results in eternal rewards. A lack of obedience to Christ results in the loss of eternal rewards. I believe it was Marcus Aurelius who said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. I personally attribute that quote to Maximus Decimus Meridius uh, from The Gladiator, but I think it was actually uh, Marcus Aurelius uh, who said it. He wasn't a Christian But the statement is true. What we do in life echoes in eternity. John 6, 27. Jesus is speaking here. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man 
will give you. Now, obviously, Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't work for our daily living, but he is saying that working for our daily living should not be the supreme concern of our lives. The supreme concern of our lives should be investing life in things that endure to eternal life. Investing our lives in things that have value in the age to come. But what I want you to see here is that he says we are to work for food that endures to eternal life. We aren't just to believe in food that endures to eternal life. We are to work for food that endures to eternal life. There is more than believing going on here. It is believing that results in action. It is believing that results in obedience. Believing that results in making decisions to invest in things that endure to eternal life. Now, I feel like clarity is very important here. And so I don't want to leave anyone confused or misunderstanding what I'm saying or, or maybe not saying it correctly. So let me try to be uh, really clear here. Uh, and I've already said this, but none of this is suggesting that we are saved through our good works. We are not. But it is saying that good works are the fruit of true conversion and the evidence of true conversion. And so if someone is to say that they have faith in God, that they have trusted Christ for salvation, but there is no fruit in their lives, there is no obedience to Christ, there are no good works in their lives, James, the brother of Jesus, calls into question their claim. And really, Jesus rightly understood, calls into question their claim. And each of us need to be honest with ourselves. If, if we are not seeing any obedience in our lives, if we are not seeing any God-inspired good works in our lives, we might want to honestly ask if we have been truly converted. Amen. Or are we just good cultural Christians? There's a difference. Are we truly converted? Now, for those of us who are truly converted, truly saved, the reality is we live in varying degrees of obedience. And here's something that we need to remember. We need to remember that our obedience earns eternal rewards for us, and our disobedience is losing rewards that obedience would have earned for us. So here's the point. Even for those of us who are truly converted, we can choose to live like there are more important things than eternal life. We can choose to prioritize temporal things over eternal things. We can live like uh, nothing is more important than what we're doing in the here and now. Or we can do what we should and live like nothing is more important than the eternal life that awaits us and invest this life in the coming life. Here's what 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 reveal to us. This is Paul writing. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Not only does our obedience earn rewards for us, but Paul explains that our troubles in this life produce eternal benefits for us and eternal glory that far outweighs the trouble. Many Christians, when trouble comes, 
And I, I don't like to admit this, but I will admit to you that I put myself in this category. When trouble comes, we face often the temptation to quit. We face the temptation to turn away from God, to conclude that he does not care for us, to conclude that his promises aren't true. And if we do that, we lose the reward that comes from enduring the trouble, from staying faithful through the trouble. Even our troubles in this life are achieving something of eternal value, achieving an eternal glory for us. And because of this, Paul tells us that we are to fix our eyes not on what is seen, not not on the temporal, not on the here and now, but on what is unseen, what's eternal, what's coming, what the future holds. It's an appeal to live in the light of eternity. It's an appeal to take the long view. It's an appeal to not look at this present life as our one shot to have it all. Our one shot to live the good life. It's an appeal instead to look at the age to come as the time when we're going to experience what is really good. And that we are to focus on what is coming. That we are to put our hopes in what is coming. That we are not to put all of our hopes in the good life now, but we are to live for eternity. We are to live in order to experience the good life in the future. And Jesus emphasized this truth in the Gospel of Mark. Here's what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 37. These are such challenging words. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross and he must follow me. And then it just just gets more fascinating from there. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The New Living Translation presents verse 37 this way, is anything worth more than your soul? Of course, I framed it in the title of the message today, what's worth more than eternal life? William MacDonald writes in verses 36 and 37, even if a believer could gain all the world's wealth during his lifetime, what good would it do him? He would have missed the opportunity of using his life for the glory of God and the salvation of the lost. It would be a bad bargain. Our lives are worth more than all the world has to offer. Shall we use them for Christ or shall we use them for self? So here again, we see an emphasis on foregoing what we might be tempted to think is in our best interest now and prioritizing instead what is of eternal importance both for others and also for ourselves. Living for the age to come results in rewards in the age to come. Living for the here and now results in both loss now and the loss of eternal rewards. For the unsaved, for those who have never received Jesus Christ as Savior, living for now, never taking the time to consider Jesus in the life that he offers, 
never taking the time to consider what the Bible says about our eternal destinations in Christ as opposed to our eternal destinations apart from Christ, living for now results in judgment and eternal separation from God. For the truly converted, for those who truly are saved, living for now instead of eternity results in a diminished experience of life now as well as the loss of eternal rewards. And so here's the conclusion that all of this should lead us to. We should live this life in the light of eternity. We should prioritize in this life the things that are of value in the coming life. We should live this life in order to receive eternal life and the rewards that await the faithful. How is it that we live In order to receive eternal life, well, first of all, we believe in Jesus. We receive him as our Savior. We receive him as our Lord. We believe what is right. We are truly converted. And that leads us to obedience and good works, which do not earn salvation for us, do not earn eternal life for us, but which are the fruit of conversion and the evidence of conversion and which absolutely do earn us eternal life rewards. We don't live as if this life is all there is. We don't live as if everything good that we're ever going to experience has to be realized now. We live like the best is yet to come in the future, in the age to come, in eternity. And so we invest in God's kingdom. We invest in the age to come. We live for eternity. And so I have a couple of illustrations that I want to share with you today that I hope will give us some perspective here. I got the second of these illustrations from Francis Chan, who probably got it from someone else, but I want to give him credit for it. Uh, I found them to be impactful, and I hope uh, that perhaps you will as well. And I'll be delighted if the ropes didn't get all twisted up after the first service. Just delighted. We'll see. All right, I'm going to need a couple of helpers. If I could get a couple of helpers. Don't, don't everybody run up here at once. I only need two of you. you got Grant and Adele. Okay. I'm afraid you're going to use the rope for some other purpose if he comes up here. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that into the rope and walk to that far wall. And then Adele, you've got the more challenging job. Hold on or we're going to get twisted up here. You got the more challenging job of taking the rest of this rope and figuring out how to get to that far wall and the rope be untangled. So it did get messed up. Awesome. Awesome. We're all in knots. There's, there you go. Good job, Adele. Good job. All right. All right, so here's what this is, okay? This rope represents a timeline of human history. Actually, if we could raise it up for increased visual appeal, that would be great. (laughs) So this rope represents a timeline of human history that I now realize in the first service they couldn't see because it was laying on the floor. Um, but, But anyway, there's human history. Now... Some Christians believe that human history is somewhere between six and 10,000 years. 
okay? Um, some, even from like the Institute for Creation Research, will, will uh, give proper respect to those who say it's up to 15,000 years. Uh, other Christians uh, will say, uh, more in line with the scientific community, that it's way longer than that. I'm not here to litigate all of that, okay? I picked 10,000 years. If you want to fight about it, please don't. It's just, <laughs> it's just for purposes of illustration. 10,000 years, okay? And, and here's, how it, here's how it plays out. Each inch on this rope is 10 years. And so that's 10,000 years is represented here. I, I mean, we can't even stretch it out in, in the building here. The red part is your life. 80 years in comparison to all of human history. I went with 80 years. Actually, I think women get 77 on average. I think men get 74, which is really kind of a raw deal. <laughs> what, what, what is up with that? Um, the average age of our congregation is probably about right here, probably in the late 30s, early 40s. Of course, we have people that are just starting out. We have people here. We have people here. We have people here. Sorry for the illustration. <laughs> Most of us are here. But even those of us who are here, we don't know if we get all this or not. The end might be much nearer for us, the end of this. And so th this is our lives in comparison to human history. Not a lot of time, is it? Not a lot of time. Thank you, guys. You can just drop that. Okay. Now I have a second rope here. And this rope puts our lives on the front end. Okay. So here's our 80 years or whatever we get, 77, 74, whatever it is. That's our time. Okay? And the rest of the rope here represents eternity. And so I'd like to have a couple more helpers, if I could. If you want to help again, you're welcome to, or you can spread the, spread the joy around, whichever you prefer. Here's what I would like to try to do. I'm going to let go of this for a second, but it's got to end up back to me. Okay? So I want you to take that, John. Come on up. I want you to walk down this way and start walking around the room. You come to this corner, someone go to that back corner, someone go to that corner, and someone go to this corner, and we're going to see if we can just stretch this around the room. So I'll need someone up at this corner and someone to that back corner. We're just going to keep doing this. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You guys are doing good. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing good. John, keep walking around back up here to the podium. Leave me the, leave me the red end. Someone will need to be on that corner there. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. 
where I, I don't know if we'll get around again. So John, you go up there to the podium and give me a little, uh, little uh, extra rope there. We're going to keep going here. Okay. All right. There's all that. You guys can see the stack here. We're not going to wrap around again. We could. We could probably wrap around the building three or four times with as much rope as I have here. We're just going to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Just doesn't stop, does it? It's eternity. It just keeps going. All right. There we go. All right. Now I need some of this back. <laughs> Come on. All right. Here's our lives. The rest of this represents eternity. It just goes on and on forever. Here's what really happens. We have all of human history up to this point. Overlaps. And then eternity begins. This is our little section. Our little section. In comparison to forever. Here's what too many of us do. We live like this little section is where it all has to happen. And so we invest all of our time, we invest all of our energy in getting the most out of life now. Many of us are right here, and we think we have to hear. But we're only going to have to hear. We don't know that yet, but that's all we've got. And if we continue on the path we're on now, we're going to waste that precious little bit of time that we have left on stuff that doesn't doesn't uh, last past this point right here. And then that's all, that's all we have. All of our energy is spent on this tiny little span of time on earth. But here's what we need to do instead. We need to realize what a tiny amount of time our lives are compared to all of this. We need to realize how amazing it is that God gives us the opportunity in this little window of time to make decisions, to choose to believe on him and to live for him, and that those decisions that we make in this tiny little window of time pay eternal rewards for us. They result in eternal life. They result in eternal rewards. It was Jim Elliott who said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. None of us get to keep this. It ends. It ends. It is fleeting. We're here for a little while and then we are gone. So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. 
what in this little span of time is worth sacrificing eternal life? What in this little span of time is worth sacrificing eternal rewards? What in this little span of time is more valuable to you than what you can have for eternity? If we believe on the Lord Jesus, if we receive him as Savior and Lord, if we live in obedience to him, what we do here, now, in this tiny little bit of time, results in eternal life, and it just goes on and on, eternal rewards. Here's the truth, friends. If we believe the Bible, and if we believe the God that the Bible reveals to us, all of this is a reality. It is going to happen. Eternity is not just a myth. If we believe the word, if we believe the God revealed in the word, we know that this is coming. This is coming. It's going to be a reality. So why not invest this little time we have in such a way that it pays dividends forever and ever and ever? Guys, you can drop that and thank you uh, for your help. And so I want to appeal to those of you who have never received Christ as Savior, do not live like this is all there is because it isn't. Think about eternity. Think about the teachings of Jesus. Everyone here will rise again for either eternal life or for judgment. I appeal to you today to turn to Christ in faith and receive the eternal life that he wants to give you. Don't invest everything in this little span of time. Live in light of unending time. Live in light of eternity. And I appeal for those of us who have received Christ as Savior, do not live as though your obedience or disobedience make no difference for eternity. Whether you are obedient or disobedient makes a big difference in eternity. It makes a big difference in the lives of others. It makes a big difference in your life now. And it makes a huge difference in your life for eternity. What's worth more than eternal life? What are your actions today communicating is worth more than eternal life? Honestly, examine yourself. Answer that question. But what's worth more than eternal life? When we really understand what eternal life is, that it, that it never ends, there can be nothing in this span of time that is worth more than eternal life. And so I appeal to all of us. I appeal to myself. I appeal to all of us here today to live in the light of eternity. Let's stand.